everyone. Welcome to the 19th episode of the Cheesy Controller Podcast. I'm your host, Anton LaPlatt. With me, as always, is Jalen Roberts. I'm back again, once again. Still here. Again. <laughs> I live here now. I'm just here in your podcast. And Chris Montalbano. What's going on, guys? We have a jam-packed show for you guys this week. We'll be talking about Dungeons & Dragons, The Evil Within 2, Destiny 2's Guided Games and Loot Boxes, EA's Closing of Visceral Games, and the recently released Gran Turismo Sports. Alright, so we were playing D&D Sunday, and it went terribly. Yeah, it was horrible. So, I... <coughs> I went as an elf cleric with horrible stats. And I mean, like, horrible, horrible stats. Okay, I'm, did you roll for your stats? Yes, okay. I rolled for the stats, and the rolls were horrible. Yeah, let me tell you. I just realized the mistake that I've made in letting you guys start off the podcast <laughs> with D&D. Because we're talking about stat rolls, and we're not even like no, it's not, wait, 30 I'm not, seconds in. I'm not even going into stat rolls. It was just like... All you need to know is that the boss one-shotted me for three times my health. Let's just put it that way. It was also after he missed you five times and you couldn't touch him. We, Me and the boss were in there trying to smack each other. In the first five turns, both of us just missed over and over and over again. Zach ain't doing shit, by the way. Zach Zach's off in a corner just, like, twiddling Zach his fucking thumbs. Him. He kept tripping over rocks, and the only time I got to hit him was when I hit him for, like, 14 and brought his health down to, like, 6. I hit him for, like, nine. And then he drank in a rage potion and hit me for three times my health. <laughs> Which was great. <laughs> that was awesome. That's when I handed over the dagger, and I was like, you can't have it. I'm gone. <laughs> he was fighting us over a dagger, and he hit me for three times my health. And it was horrible. Yeah. Hilarious, but horrible. We need to, like, learn how to, like... Well, let's we ha- talk to people and see we, what we can... We like, have proper discuss. characters... And I'm not running such an asshole this time. Right. So things are going to be a lot better. And my stats aren't like... I have more than 5 HP. We, well, we didn't actually do it right. We didn't actually read the whole book. We would have started with like 10 or 12. If uh, I start with 9. Anything. Well, higher than 5. <laughs> higher than 5. He still would have hit me for like more than my max health. But Jesus. <sighs> hit me hard. Yeah, but it was actually a lot of fun. We're trying to get Anton in, until, in on it, so maybe we can start a cheesy controller. Yeah, I'm D&D. sorry I was out seeing Kid Cuddy, I think, the first time you guys did it. No, no we, we played Sunday. 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 We just didn't hit any. We didn't even know we were playing D&D until it happened. I mean, I was most likely playing games then, so I was straight. True. Assuming alcohol, playing games. I was Normal consuming alcohol afternoon. playing D&D. <laughs> right. Uh, we so just that's took, I just took three shots at the bar and they were like, let's go get Jalen. <laughs> Wait, no, I was already there. Yeah. I met y'all at the bar, took a shot, got a beer, got two beers. And it was just like, let's go play D&D. Okay, let's go play D&D. Hmm. And that's how we played D&D. Yeah. We're going to try to do it every Sunday. Well, now we can't do it every Sunday because we're changing the podcast days. But I mean... We'll figure it out. You know, figure it out. All right. It's not like weekend nights are going to be a problem anymore. True. Well. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, on a little bit, I guess we'll cover this news first. Um, so, the way this news is framed is the most misleading thing that they could possibly do. So, the post that went up on EA's official blog is, An update on the Visceral Star Wars project. And the subtitle is, A Change to One of Our Upcoming Titles. So, I'm not going to get into the whole article. If you want to read that, you can go over to EA's blog. But, so, Jalen, do you want to start ranting on this? Or should I break it down? Should I summarize and then like You, you should rant? totally break it down, and then I could be angry at EA. Okay, so, what EA did over the last few days is they closed down Visceral Game Studios, who are most notably known for the... Uh, Dead Space series, which were survival horror games. Or at least the first two were survival horror games. Well, the first two didn't have EA's <laughs> fangs in it, so the first two were good. Yeah. The third one had EA's microtransaction vomit all over it. How do you put microtransactions in a survival horror game? With the e- crafting system. EA put microtransactions in 
everything. Like that's. When... I mean, I know they're. That's what they're known for. But... No, they're also known for killing companies. <sighs> Maxis oh, is dead. Sony's worse at killing companies, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. So, Visceral Games is EA closed Visceral Games that were working on a Star Wars project. They were working on a linear AAA Star Wars game wrote by Amy Henning, the former writer of the Uncharted series. Uh, as a matter of fact, she stopped, she left Uncharted 4 to go work on this game. I think she was kicked out of Naughty Dog. It was a whole creative difference between Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley, who headed up Uncharted 2 and The Last of Us and eventually headed up what became Uncharted 4, but she was the original visionary behind it. So after that, she went to Visceral to work on this Star Wars project. So we knew we were getting Battlefront from DICE, which is... So EA is currently handling all of the Star Wars property video games. Yeah. They have Galaxy of Heroes on mobile. They have Battlefront on consoles and PC, which they're getting more... Like, Battlefront 1 had some egregious pay things like to get the game with the season pass was like a hundred and something yeah like it was definitely over a hundred dollars it was like the season pass was almost as much as the game itself right but wasn't worth it really at all no especially since everything went on sale like six months later for like five bucks true yeah definitely you could get the dlc i just waited a year and got all the dlc for free so i i was tempted to buy it because these Star Wars games, they have been the highest quality Star Wars games we've gotten in a very long time. EA is definitely handling the brand. As far as content-wise, the developers they're giving, giving it to are handling the license with reverence. But then the pub, EA gets on the publisher side and forces in microtransactions and forces in all uh, season passes almost as much as the game. And, and this now, is where my rant comes in because we know what EA is. T- so part of the article is that there's talk. They mentioned that there's going to be a huge vision shift in the Star Wars game. I.e., they're going to force some kind of multiplayer in it because EA doesn't understand that people. Why do we have to keep teaching the publishers this lesson? We want single player games. True. Persona, Horizon, <clears throat> Near, Evil Within, Resident Evil Seven. Like, we don't need multiplayer and everything. Sometimes we just need a really, really well-made game. Right. That's we, it. We have Overwatch and Destiny 2 to play together. We can... And no. when we all are not on... We and also, another thing. thing is, the number one game that... The number one Star Wars game that everybody wants is Knights of the Old Republic 3. That's what we want. I want Battlefront 2, but I feel you. But, I mean, have you seen, outside of the loot crate stuff... And now there's balancing problems with that. Like, every other hero, hero I mean, unit except for Darth Maul is worthless. Like, Darth Maul's just dumb. But, I mean, that's why they did a beta, so they could test the balance it's, in an actual environment. It's still like that. The, Darth Maul, I mean, the beta ended and the game's not out. Oh, Darth I'm Maul is... I'm not talking is, about Battlefront 2. I'm talking about, like, PlayStation 2 Battlefront 2. But I'm saying the new Battlefront 2 is way more fully featured... And, then the last Battlefront. And it actually comes with a story mode. Right. Yeah, Which where is, you get to play as Empire for once in our lives. Well, right. no, Battlefront 2, that's where you played as, isn't it? Was Empire. You started as a clone trooper and like went through the entire story as a clone, stro- like clone trooper. I didn't play Battlefront 2. Yeah, I mean, technically you're a, com- a Republic Commando in the beginning, but whatever. Semantics. Yeah, either way. So, it's just one of those... EA, once again, has took a company that did great things and then ruined it. Just blatantly ruined it. They do that all the time. Right, they closed it. My The saddest studio I've felt that EA closed that didn't need to be closed was Black Box. Black Box made Skate 1, 2, I also three. say uh, Maxis, because I do love SimCity. Oh, that God. was a great game, and it was like... They could have done it right, but EA wanted to ruin everything. Always online. That last SimCity, when it first came out, people couldn't play for the week because the servers were down. You couldn't play a single player game because the servers were down. I mean, there thank you, EA. There are a lot of other big games that aren't EA that are coming out right now. That if you so Gran Turismo on the PlayStation side, you can't you can't use a photo mode in the game. 
If you can't access And your nobody's happy about that. It's right. one of those how many times do we have to teach you this lesson? If it's if it's single player, it should work offline cuz that's the entire point. Right. If my internet goes out because of some hurricane or something, I just want to play a video game. Thanks, Irma. <laughs> Irma knocked out your ability to play Gran Turismo, Chris. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons developers keep doing this is because the revenue off of microtransactions, especially in the last year with games like Overwatch, which I was a huge contributor to that problem. Gambling. Right. It's not. <laughs> well, no, it's not the same thing. Overwatch. It's a slot machine. It is a slot machine. Yeah, you, you pay, you hit the slot, you get a box, and hopefully get the thing you want. You well, no, you're you guaranteed. Want, you the reason is not the ESRB stated within the last week that loot boxes are not gambling because you are guaranteed to get something. It may not be what you want, but you're. it's not considered gambling because gambling, you're taking a chance of getting absolutely nothing out of it. If you put money into the loot boxes, you're guaranteed 100% to get something out of it. Even if it's just credits. You're 100% so... As far as the ESRB is concerned... On loot boxes currently... Loot boxes are not considered gambling and... Well, as someone who who speaks with their wallet... It's gambling and I'm done with it. Sure. Right. I haven't bought any loot boxes or anything... Oh, I like after my purchase... That's, that's The only money Destiny got from me was... Getting Destiny. Yep. Yeah, they. I haven't spent any microtransactions in Destiny. Uh, not many Nintendo. I've been playing a lot of Nintendo games, and not many of those have microtransactions. Sweet, just a complete game, right? But I mean, there are games like Shadow of War where it's like, yeah, very obviously you're padding out this content to try and make people it's, buy it. It's not. In some cases, it's not even padding out because with Shadow of War, there was that whole you can't get the true ending without loot boxes shenanigans. That they were talking about. Well, they prove that that's not actually true. You can beat that entire game. It's just the third act is really grindy if you don't buy loot boxes. Yeah, but besides sure. that, there's no true ending hidden behind okay. any f sort of paywall. There's no story content hidden behind any sort of paywall. It is just you can spend money and get gear and orcs, which you can grind for those in the third act, or you can spend money to get them. But people are saying that it's honestly not that much grinding. Like, okay. people are complaining about it, but they, like, I've listened to so many people who played the game pre-release, and, like, I've listened to multiple podcasts on the subject, because it seems like every podcast for the last two weeks has been either about Battlefront loot boxes... Destiny loot boxes. I mean, it's also just Shadow because this is boxes. like it's a recent trend that's coming to like an ugly head right now. Because it's just like every yeah. game is having loot boxes now. It's just one of those like why, just why? Because it made billions of dollars for Activision last year, only selling cosmetics. So EA and Warner Brothers and all these other companies right now are looking at the revenue. Like Activision, Activision almost made more money off sell off microtransactions revenue than they did off selling games last year. That's ridiculous. I mean it keeps because the, I spent, it keep the people who were playing the game spending more money. Like right, I get to I bought Overwatch twice and I spent more than triple what I spent on buying Overwatch twice on loot boxes. Like it makes money. It's just one of those like it's we're getting to the point where it's like you could start to say the games might suffer for it. Yeah. Oh, the games are suffering for it, and that's part of the big problem, because Overwatch is cosmetics. League of Legends is cosmetics. But League of Legends is free. Like, Dota you don't pay $60 to play over... That's another problem with the loot boxes. Is These loot boxes are coming in games that already cost $60. And in some cases have season passes on top of that, like Destiny. It's yeah. one of those, like, where does it end? Where do I just have this thing now? I mean, I get, like Anton's mentioned millions of times, that Overwatch does give you all these new maps and all these new characters for free, no extra cost, right. but you get to buy these loot boxes, so... But Destiny's not giving you any extra content for free, no, really. we paid $100 for all the extra content. Yeah, but then also, my thing with Destiny is the fact that they turned the loot box system into their entire loot system, and it's annoying me. 
Well, there. Okay, so the microtransaction, I mean, the loot table for the bright engrams. Because if you go in to the oh, I wasn't talking menus, about like I'm talking about in general, like the entire loot system, the entire currency based loot system of Destiny Two is pretty much just buying loot boxes. Not with real money, but, you know, it's effectively that. Well, see, there's a difference. Like, I'm completely... If I don't have to pay for loot boxes and I'm earning loot box, So, the what Jalen's referring to for anybody who's played Destiny is you are technically... And, I mean, this is nothing new for MMOs. You should know this. Like, you grind towards getting either a loot drop, a chest, an engram, something of that sort... And, I mean, just decoding of an engram, they could just drop the gear, but that's part of the gameplay loop of Destiny since day one, is going back to the Cryptarch and decoding your engrams. So that, I mean, is nothing new. But the and thing it, about Destiny 1, though, is that Destiny 1 had the, oh, had the safety, had the nice added feature of, oh, RNG's not your friend today? Here's the thing. Like, especially, like, I'm more salty about this because of Iron Banner. I only wanted three things from Iron Banner, and I got none of them. I got none of the things I actually wanted out of Iron Banner. And I got like 20 rolls off that thing. And I got nothing that I actually wanted. But so just RNG wasn't on your side, but just in a different way. Yeah, but I'm saying like with Destiny 1 and Iron Banner, there was still loot you could just, you could just buy some of the armor. Like it wouldn't be the entire set, but there would be pieces of the armor and weapons that you could just get in case RNG isn't in your favor. That's true. And it was yeah. like, and that's the thing I'm mad about. It's but one of those. I feel like Destiny's the type of game where they could go back in and refine that, and the next time Iron Banner comes around, oh, by the way, they're selling it again like they did before. I mean, I, they're just trying to cut down on the currencies used in the game, and in my opinion, like, that's one thing. When in Destiny 1, I had to use Vault Space for currencies that I wasn't actively using, that I was getting from, like, doing activities that were like current activities like in the newest expansion but I was getting materials that I wouldn't be able to use because I needed to get other materials to use in conjunction with them to upgrade something like let's say I needed exotic shards and I mean, motes I get light. that but pretty much since everything other than like the the currency used to actually get that role everything could just cost legendary shards I mean you're, right and honestly and that's that that goes in my thing it's like things could just like for example the iron banner, banner gear costs heroic marks which is the equivalent of, of legendary shards now like the currency was basically the same for how you bought the iron banner gear you just had to get rank back then yeah right and I so but you're technically doing this it's I mean, just the rank thing is pretty much the same yeah you like just that get part's tokens the same instead of ranking up yeah and yeah. the more tokens you get you technically level up your faction level with the iron banner yeah like it's so it's it's just they skinned everything differently they adjusted everything they made it more user friendly they tried to make it more destiny course corrected a little bit too hard destiny I mean, 1 had a lot of like intrigue to it it had a lot of magic to it there was a special something like everything that's out there in destiny 2 we already fully understand i still don't fully understand everything that was in destiny 1 i under I, when i say i understand the raid to a level that i've never understood a raid before True. i understand all of the currencies a hundred but i also feel like the game it's and i also feel like this is because of the casual shift yeah that destiny that's made. what i'm like, saying like, for example, like, my only problem, I, my num my, the only crippling problem I had with Destiny 1 is that I couldn't really do any. I couldn't do most of the content I wanted to do because I didn't have that group. But now that I got that group and we have this amount of content, it's like I've pretty much done everything. But yet I still have, like, very few of the things I actually want. And that's the thing. And that's also something that's kind of annoying. It's like I've done everything, yet I have almost nothing of what I actually want. I mean, I, maybe it's just been my luck, but, like, I got the arms, the leg, and the class item for I've the gotten raid. multiple duplicates of every single Iron Banner weapon that was being sold. That was in the loot table. I got, like, three versions of every single Iron Banner weapon. And all I wanted was the chest piece, the arms, and the helmet. But that's because you have the legs and the mark, right? 
Well, no, I didn't care about the legs because I replaced... Because I, if I'm raiding, I use my Lunar Faction boots, which makes it so my Rift automatically reloads my allies' weapons. So I'm not even using that. The helmet, I didn't really care about because I use Eye of the Another World for PvP. It's like I want the chest piece because that made me look good. Okay. Yeah, the I chest piece was the most... Yeah, it was one of those, like, the stuff that I wanted was just stuff so I'd look good because everything else, like, eh... Like, I pretty much got the weapons I like using. Like, I have the Anthiope submachine gun for PvP. I have the number, which does everything, you know? Right. Like, I just want to look cool. But right. it's just like, let me give you multiples of every other thing. It's just one of those... I don't feel like spending, like, 30, 20, 30 minutes to get a roll just for me to get the same weapon I got last time. I mean, I understand. Like, I would drop off multiple... I'd get, like, multiple rolls, and I'd leave the tower with, like, seemingly less than what I went there with, just mm -hmm. because of, like... And I mean, but that's... I still don't feel, as somebody who played Vanilla Destiny, like, they did course correct a little bit too hard. They're like, okay, towards the end of Destiny 1, we got a little bit too hardcore. Yeah, and we like... We focused a little bit too much, like... But not Rise just that, of but... Iron was like it was somewhat impenetrable not well to, yeah but that's just because but that's like that was because of scaling like that was one of those we were technically like what five content drops in at that point yeah where it's like more than that technically if you count like seasonal events that would add features yeah to the it game. was one of those like yeah. It was one of those, unless you had that group of players that you played with, it was impenetrable. Right. And so, now they course corrected a little bit too hard towards the casual side. They're like, okay, so we're really going to, like, focus on the casual. But then, them focusing so hard on the casual audience and focusing so hard on putting things like raid matchmaking and... It's not even real raid matchmaking. That's another thing about that. It's one of those... You can't use guided, guide, using guided games for raid matchmaking doesn't work. It's not a good idea. Why not? Well, A, because a lot of times if you're doing it, you might just get some random person who doesn't speak English. Like, people have been trying to do guided games, and that person they get in, they only speak Spanish, Portuguese, or something, and you can't communicate at all. Especially with the raid being very communication heavy. Right. Where we're doing calls. Like you yeah, can't make... you can't do the raid and not have someone speaking. And then some guilds are using, some people are using the matchmaking to just fill in their raids when they don't know how to do it. So you might get a raid with somebody that's like, okay, I should be able to just do it with these people, and they've never done the raid before. Yeah. But, and, I mean, you're, see, the fact that nobody is really doing guided games yet, and also you're it's not, not going to have those problems. It's not really worth it either. Like, other than, like, uh, Emblem, you don't really get anything out of guided games. Other than, unless you want to, like... I mean, that's, you just fill your raid team. The other yeah. night, we were having an issue where it's, like, we needed one more person, and guided games was there as an option of, like, okay, we can maybe pull one person from this. See, the only thing with that is, like, that night, we ended it after opening one, like, beating Bass, and that's all we did. If we were, like, if we were serious about our clan and trying to get our Oats Keeper score up, and we quit right after that, or... Oats Keeper score would have, granted it's nothing right now, would have gone down and it would have penalized. That's us. another thing. So it's you like, can't just say, oh, like, I want to do the raid and then quit. Yeah, that's another thing. Right. You started that again. I'm saying that was just because of the time that we were doing it. But yeah. you have a whole week. But the so thing let's about say it. You raid the first day and I want to raid, but none of you guys can raid. I'd rather fill into a group and do that and get that. That's the thing about it, though. I wish. We they just gave us raid matchmaking. Like the guided games thing is, guided games I mean, is the kinda, best solution that they could do. It's LSG. Did, did they not do that with the app? You can, I mean, like, but I mean, I, that's, but that's the thing about it. It's pointless because all the hardcore people are just gonna go back to the LFG app. Like the people who actually would want to plug in someone to raid, they're not gonna use guided games because you might get somebody because it's designed for people who never did it before. If you're just looking for someone who knows the fight, so you can just finish it real quick. You're going to go to the LFG app. So no, for that I mean, situation, Anton was talking about, it's still pointless. I mean, Destiny kind of made up the, their own thing with the LFG, but put it on their app. Because Dylan uses it all. My roommate uses it all the time. But that goes to my point, though. It's like you're not going to be using Guided Games. You're going to yeah, be using the LFG app. Yeah, kind of a pointless it's, thing. Unless you want to, like, I want to be a good person to try to help this person figure out how to do the raid. But, but also, it's like you are also taking, like, more of the risk is on you, like... 
you might get that, once again, you might get that person who only speaks Portuguese. Right. And you're trying to make calls about Gauntlet. Or... Well, don't... I haven't been into the guided games interface. Isn't there a way to, like, denote your language, at least? See, I, you guys are shaking your heads like this is impossible for them to fix. No, no, no. They I don't need... believe that. I'm not talking that it's impossible to fix. I'm talking about as it is this minute. That's the thing. Right. They okay. can fix it when Curse of Osiris, I believe, the first expansion is called. I'm not sure. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's called Curse of Osiris. When that first expansion drops, they can fix it. Heck, they can fix it in a hot... They could add exactly. it in a hot fix. So that's I'm why... just speaking as the game... I'm just speaking about the game as we are recording. Right. But um, you guys are saying, like, guided games is pointless, but if nobody's using guided games, why would they fix guided games? But, like... So the whole point of Destiny 2 Endgame for people who, like, now I have a consistent raid group. I have more than six people playing Destiny with me. But back when it was just you and I playing Destiny, Jalen, when we would be try, we could not run the raid because we could not find a group. I would literally join random groups that I met online as a solo player. And I under they should really remove the penalty from... Because there should be no penalty for not finishing the raid. Well, the that, only way if they to, remove that element from it, the only way to get out of it is if the person, like, say you were, you were looking for that one person. That one person comes in, and you say, "I'm done with the raid." That one person that you brought in has to also agree, saying, "We are done with the raid." If they say that, you don't get penalized. You do get penalized for quitting, but you don't get penalized for leaving that person. If that makes sense. Okay, so then it's not as bad, but it's just—it's like, just one of those. The at the, bunch of at the end of the day, stuff. unless you're trying to run the raid, it's one of those. It's one of—it sits in a weird spot. That's my main thing. Like, it's not useful enough for the casuals, but it's not rewarding enough for the hardcore. So it's kind of just there. Yeah, that's—that's my main problem. Extraordinarily more rewardable, more give more of a reward if you're teaching someone how to do something. Yes, give us an incentive to do it. Like, yeah, that's the thing about it. It's like it's not rewarding and it's not. But I mean, that's been destiny. Our reward for being players since day one were emblems coming into Destiny Two. Like while the memories were great, like Johnny didn't never had a character reach level twenty, so he didn't even get his memories. He got emblems. And it's like, so, Destiny's never really been great for rewarding actually being a good member of the community. Yeah. And I mean, that... I mean, but that's the thing about it, though, is also you gotta look at what year it is. Like, this is 2017, like... And I mean, while a lot of developers are a lot more transparent and a lot more, like, Rockstar's hiring a community manager right now. So, like, all of these companies are really trying to have communities, like, facing employees so that they can understand what their community is saying and also convey information to their community. But there is definitely not, like, a two-way street of constant open communication with developers. But then also I don't feel like there... I don't fully agree that there should be because, A, we all know that we're good at find Like, as gamers, we're good at finding the problems. Solutions are trash. Like, most of our solutions, 95% of our solutions are honestly garbage. Right. And it's one of those, and I feel like as a developer building the game, they have to take in factors that we're not going to think of, because at the end of the day, we're only trying to improve our game experience. We're trying to solve the problems that we have with it, and they're trying to do it. They're trying to find that middle ground that everyone can enjoy this game on, because some people, the solutions for your problem might completely break the game for me. True. And that's like trading. Like, so many people want trading in Destiny, but that would break the entire loot system. Yep. That would make Destiny entirely pointless. You just get duplicates of the exotics, get your friends to play, and the fact that you have collections and stuff like that, you don't even have to, like, earn duplicates of the exotic. You can literally just earn the exotic one time, buy another copy of the exotic, trade it with your friend for a green quality gun, and then your friend is now way higher light yeah it's like no effort yeah like you could you could almost like if trading happens like if you and your friend are playing the same class you could pretty much get them raid ready from the moment they hit 20 like instantly never done a nightfall yeah yeah and the other thing is you could collaborate you could trade gear back and forth Mm -hmm. so let's say oh you got the arm piece i got the chest piece 
let's put those both on your character, run, maybe get the leg armor, and mm-hmm. then if we get the leg armor, put all three pieces on your character. And so it's like, ha- yeah, it's just glorified boosting if yeah. you were to put trading into a game like Destiny. And that's the thing about it. It's like, like while, yes, players can feel the balance, it's like... And also, like, making... This stuff takes time. Like, they... For all we know, they could actively working on the thing we're complaining about. Right. And that's always a possibility. True. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Gran Turismo Sport and the beta that happened last week. And we're also going to talk about The Evil Within 2. Yay. Last week, Gran Turismo Sport, which actually launched yesterday as of this recording, had a beta that all of your progress would carry over into the full game. And of course, being the Gran Turismo series fan that I am, and like, I like my racing games. I don't particularly like the Need for Speed style anymore. Like, I I enjoy my arcade racers like Mario Kart, but I don't like games that like are trying to be realistic, but are arcadey. So, I don't like Need for Speed anymore. I don't like... Maybe a new Midnight Club would be good, but I'm thinking... I like Forza Horizon. Not Horizon. Forza Motorsport, not Horizon. I like... Grant, up until now, Gran Turismo more than I liked, let's say, Motorstorm or something like that. I mean, I feel you. I like Midnight Club. Uh, yeah. I, I do enjoy the Need for Speed. I get what you're saying. What like, was the last Need for Speed you actually played, though? Uh, Not the last one, but the one before that. You played Rivals? I oh, played yeah. It, I, I played, played it for a minute. For the PSP. I beat that shit. Rivals for the PSP? Yeah. Well, no, the new Rivals was only PS4, Xbox One. What was the one on the PSP, then? What was the one on the PSP? Because I also beat the snot out of that game, too. Okay, so you guys are talking about... So the PSP was the last time you really played a Need for Speed game. Yeah. So you skipped all the PS3, such as The Run. No, no, no. I yes. No, I played The Run for a little I bit. I definitely didn't play I Need played, for Speed The Run. I played The Run for a few minutes, and that was track. See, the thing about it is, that era had a lot of the bad Need for Speed games. Yeah, that's when I just went to Which Los has games. continued... I, went to I mean, the... you're right. You're not wrong. Right. So, like, I would love... Um, the only one since PlayStation 2 slash PSP that has actually been worth playing, in my opinion, and this is... It wasn't even... It was worth playing because it was the first game that did open-world car games actually somewhat well. Yeah. And that was Need for Speed Most Wanted. And that was the one that it came to Vita, Xbox 360, and PS3. I think that was the last one I played. And that was the only one out of... that. Need for Speed had been annualized at that point. So there was a Need for Speed game coming out every year, and they were selling less and less to the point that EA said, we need to take a break on it. I mean, like... Damn. So, yeah. But... So, Need for Speed was annualized, but Gran Turismo is an event. Every time there's a Gran Turismo game, it is... There have only been six mainline entries in the past 20-plus years. Which, I'm... So, only other games that are as active as Gran Turismo that have been running as long are, like other AAA first-party titles, like, not even anything Xbox is doing has been running as long as Gran Turismo. Like, it's only... The only things that can really say that they have that kind well, of legacy Xbox are, didn't come out until around the PlayStation 2 era. Exactly. No, yeah, so no, I'm the answer Gran is like... Turismo, yeah. The original Gran Turismo was on PS1, mm-hmm. so for it to be a franchise, and it hasn't really gone dormant, ever. No. I mean, that's... Sometimes people live and breathe Gran Turismo. Right. 
And this game, Gran Turismo Sport, they I'm glad that they didn't call this Gran Turismo 7. Hopefully there still is a Gran Turismo 7 coming sometime soon. Yeah, because I was thinking about it. Like, I haven't played, like, a good racer in a minute, and it's like... Right, because on PlayStation, our only option right now is Project Cars. Ew. What? And that's a real hardcore sim. That is like, oh, people with racing wheel setups with entire cockpits in their house who used to run Gran Turismo are now running Project Cars. And the Crew 2 or whatever else? The Crew 2 is coming out at some point. If it's out, it cannot be good. I have literally heard nothing about that game, and for that to be an EA-published racing game, like... He's doing a completely... Yeah, the crew is... No, the crew is Ubisoft. Right. I'm completely wrong. The crew is definitely Ubisoft. You had... But this beta, so I... No, the Crew 2 isn't supposed to come out until March of next year. So it had to have been delayed, because it was shown at E3 as a holiday game. It does look really good, though. I mean, the... That's the thing about these racing games, though, is like... Yeah, Racing games look good. It's just one of those... That's how you showcase hardware. That's why, at the beginning of Generations, there are always racing games. Which is why the PS4, out of the gate, felt kind of empty... Because while the Xbox got Forza uh, Forza Motorsport 5, we got no racing game. We got Need for Speed Rivals, which was poorly optimized and people had a lot of problems. That was another single-player game that you had to And there was another racing game that I remember people were saying had online problems. Which is... We haven't had, like... As somebody who's wanted to play a racing game, and right now my only option is Mario Kart, we have not had... A racing game on PS4 that... Oh, Drive Club. That's what I was thinking of. But, yeah, Drive Club was a whole... <laughs> I have Drive Club, the Season Pass. The only thing that I don't have for Drive Club is the bike stuff. It, when I tell you it was literally less than, like, probably $10 for all of it. and Because Drive Club, the free version that we got, while there were a lot of issues with even that, Drive Club... I wanted a good racing game. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's one of those... And I'm still hurting for one. Like, I contemplated getting Gran Turismo Sport, but after what I played in the demo, like, sure, there is still the racing school that is how I learned how to drive from Gran Turismo 5, and it is still very technical racing. This game is like Street Fighter Five, where it's completely tailored to your most hardcore audience. Exactly. And Six. everybody who loved... Like arcade mode in Street Fighter Five, or like we can't do free races like and, that anymore. And then also, Grand there's Turismo like, Sport. isn't there some like esport thing that's supposed to be happening in like two weeks? The whole game, I'm not sure the name of the agency, and I don't want to like bring it up to look it up. But there's an agency that is a racing agency that is monitoring everything that happens in the game. So they are. See- that's why the game has to be always online. So they Dang. see the players that's why things like we were talking about earlier there's a sportsmanship training so they're like that's that hyper realistic you best to drive right boy you gonna lose right and i mean that's gran turismo has always had the options to be as hyper realistic as you want it to be so like the way i played gran turismo I started off with all the assists on, and it was just like a basic-ass racing game. And I take assist and assist off, like, as I go down the list. It's like, okay, so let me learn how to shift. Let me learn what I'm, like, trying to make the engine do. And because these games are so tuned to stuff like that, it was really great for somebody... I'm not a car guy by any stretch of the imagination, but what I do know, I can get reinforced by a game. And I've actually learned real-world skills that I apply on a daily basis from this game and so as somebody who i owe like if gran turismo sport weren't what it was i'd buy the deluxe edition right now if they had any of the modes like if they had a career mode in the game (laughs) then i'd play the game i'd play through the career test out all the different cars but that brings me to another problem is there are less than 100 cars and, like, if you go to the different manufacturers, so it's about... They're their, all supercars. 
Right, they're advertising about 80 cars, where for comparison, I want to say Forza Motorsport, the new one, has over 700 Where's cars. my Honda Civic? Yeah. Right, they, yeah. It, no, it's literally Civic. all supercars. It's like these are all those, they're either consumer-made, the consumer-legal supercars, or they're actual supercars. Like these are, where's have, my Honda? Right, I have a feeling Toyota's not in this for licensing reasons, but if Toyota's in it, let's just say... They only have, like... Whatever the F1 drivers are driving, or whatever version of... Yeah, and so the Mitsubishi, uh-huh. all they have is the Lancer. Like, they Dang. have, like, eight variants of the Lancer. But it's still a Lancer. Right. So, like, when you really get into it, like, one of the appeals, especially of, like, Gran Turismo on PSP, and Gran Turismo 5, and Gran Turismo 6, was the fact that you could build up this garage, this game... And that's a, the appeal of a lot of car games. Yeah. Like, building your garage, being able to race different cars in different scenarios, and, like, yeah. try try doing an F1 track in, like, a four-door, like... Sedan. Yeah. Just, like, some regular daily driver car. Like, do these crazy, insane courses with hyper-realistic handling. Like, if this car's going to handle like this in real life. So... There's a lot of stuff that just having all of these tracks and all of these cars and stuff allowed for people to do that you just cannot do anymore in Gran Turismo Sport. So, as far, I still, I'm, this is going to be another one of those ones that I definitely wait for it on sale. Mm-hmm. Like, I bought Gran Turismo 5 launch day. Gran Turismo 6, I want to say, came out too close to the PS4. Or came out the same day as another game that I was way more excited for. Or something like that. But, like, I really was excited for... Because, like, this game has VR support. Oh, shit. Right. So, I could be playing Gran Turismo in VR, which, like, buying my VR, that was one of the things, like, that I wanted to do the most. Like, in VR cockpit view things are just so much more natural. And to have a game as well-crafted as Gran Turismo has historically been, and being able to play that... Even if it's, like, not the full game. Like, even if it's just a few races or, like, your gallery mode where you look around at the cars. These cars are so beautifully modeled and so, like, detailed that doing that in VR would just be an experience on itself. Mm -hmm. But there's so much pushing against all the goodwill that I personally have for the franchise. Like, the fact that they are tailoring this game to their most hardcore. Because, like, I am... So, also on a side note, the VR in sport is apparently terrible and is limited only to the arcade mode. I mean, I, that, you could have told me you could play the whole game top to bottom, front to back in VR, and that wouldn't have changed all the problems, how empty that game is. Under a hundred cars. Hey, I'm not, I'm not saying this, I'm just saying, on top of all these problems, the VR is also bad. (laughs) is like on top of that right and so I mean like there seems to be very little to nothing going for this game if you were not intending on it participating in their actual league tournaments that are for actual people who actually want to become race car drivers and are using this as a simulator of actual race but this links back to something I was saying in our loot box slash destiny 2 conversation is I'm getting tired of these incomplete feeling games. Like, is this like incomplete because I'm not the niche super? It's one of those. It feels like this is a niche game for the subsect of a niche audience. Right. It's like five layers deep in the subsets because it's only on PlayStation. So it's not all gamers. It's not coming to PC. It's not coming. So to it's Xbox. only the PlayStation so racing fans. Well, just the PlayStation fans go down. Just the PlayStation racing fans. Go down just the Gran Turismo. No, no, fans. no, no, no. Next is the racing sim. Just the racing sim. Like, forget the arcade ones. Like, this is for the people who like their really technical racing sims. And then you go down into like the people who prefer Gran Turismo, Turismo over something like Project Cars that's available everywhere. Yeah, and then and then you go into the people who of those subset of the sim racers. They got who, they got the pedal. They got the the. They the got everything. Shifters. They, like, they basically have the inside of a car sitting in their bedroom. Yeah, there are people who. I've, yeah, I've seen The same way like VR that. rooms are becoming a thing, there are people that have racing sim rooms. 
Mm-hmm. I had that when I was a kid, and it fucking sucked. Well, these no, no, these, <laughs> no, these no, ones no, are these ones are okay because they super they, realistic. No, because yeah. like the. They, like, like, seeds, the Andretti, like the, when you go to Andretti's and they get the fucking room. more, more than, that. than that, like like, it, like they whoa, shift, whoa. like like these huh. things are, are getting like crazy. Tens of thousands of dollars yeah, in these dude. setups. Like, they got fans. Just they buy shake. The car, <laughs> just buy very the true, but but then you have to learn how to drive a car. <laughs> You're the only one who has that problem right now, Jalen. Calculus gives me that problem. I've been hearing that for the last two years now. Because I have to take a lot of calculus. <laughs> you make it sound like I don't have to take three calculus classes. I don't understand. <laughs> like, I still have another calculus class after this. And this one's not a particularly good one, and it's starting at $800. So, just to look like, show you, like, this, just for the pedals and the steering wheel... It's $300, and that's not including, so something like this, $3,000. That's the kind of setup that people have in their homes, just for games like Gran Turismo. And those are the type of people this game markets towards, apparently. And only those that aren't doing it on a hobby level. Only those who legitimately want this to be a career-level move for them. I mean, if you're buying $3,000 worth of equipment... Yeah, you gotta but love it. The thing is, this game—the last game—came out over five years ago. This is a like the one of the best-selling PlayStation franchises globally. But this is another, and they're isolating so many of their fans. So, like, I am a Gran Turismo fan, and nothing they I all you had to tell me was a new Gran Turismo is coming to PS4, and I'm on board. But then another problem I have with this is one of those like then. Like, this may not happen because it's Sony, and I like to believe Sony's a little better than this, but publishers will easily do this, the game won't sell, and then all of a sudden we won't get Gran Turismo's anymore. Right. Because Play- That's they- why I said earlier in the show, PlayStation is real good at shutting down studios. Zipper Interactive, one of the best shooter developers that PlayStation had, in my opinion, certain things they did were better than Gorilla. Like, who are now making Horizon and are, like, known for the Killzone games. At the same time, like, Zipper and Gorilla both What did Zipper make? SOCOM. Oh, yeah. And they shuttered um, Zipper Interactive because SOCOM 4 launched during the Great PlayStation Network outage. And it was primarily an online game. Yeah. So... But but that's another thing. It's one of those, like, I, I'm a little worried for the Titanfall developers because they decided to drop Titanfall 2 in between. EA has the money to back that up. But EA is also Unicron, eats up companies, and then leaves them dead. But uh, Respawn isn't owned by EA. They're currently developing a game for Oculus. They're okay. developing a Star Wars game for EA, which I know that, like, visceral closing shows us that that doesn't really But the thing you. about it, though, is, like, this is... As a Star Wars fan, I don't really have much hope that I'm going to get a really good single-player Star Wars game because every single time they mentioned one, like, people act like I'm still healed from, uh, what is it, 1313, Star Wars 1313, which was pretty much supposed to be the Boba Fett game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, people Speaking of which, you should read Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. There's a whole chapter on that game. It has Diablo 3, Uncharted 4, Stardew Valley... Star Wars 1313, Destiny 1, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels by Jason Schreier from Kotaku. Um, It's not super expensive on Amazon. Um, Anybody looking for a good video game, read like a novel. um, Oh, and I can't help but uh, plug this in since it's getting a movie, Ready Player One, because that book is good. Like, it's just good. We have to have an episode soon where we just talk about uh, gaming literature, especially with the amount of books that I have coming between now and the end of the year. Um, it's just so many books, so much like, there is a vast, um, video game literature library, and like, there, a book just came out about Kingdom Hearts a few months ago, a book just came about Final Fantasy V, like, there are so many specific game-related books that aren't just, they're telling you a deeper story around the games. Yeah. That isn't just your regular, oh, we're developers, we made this game. It was all great. Sugar and rainbows, bye now. Nah, these are the books where it's like, on the 13th day, I nearly killed my coding director because he kept breaking my code. Stuff like that. It shows the actual trials and tribulations of what it's like being in the development field. Which, 
now that I think that that's the direction that I'm going into, two out of the three of us on this podcast are definitely going to be directly involved in development. I mean, from what I've learned trying to make my own games and stuff, it's heavily iterative is one of the things about it. Because, like, just in the writing portion of a game, my games change almost every day. Just because I'll write something, next day I'll look at it, and that's dumb. Or this could be better. Or this leads into this. And then, like, by the time you get halfway through a game, it looks nothing like what you started with. Right. And then God knows what it looks like when you're actually done with the game. And I think that's one of the reasons why I I think I'm getting a little tired of like these develop like hearing developers talk about games that aren't out yet. Like I'd rather hear the developer conversation post launch. Right. So it's like I'm not trying to cuz a lot of some there's been plenty of games. Anything pre-release is technically marketing. Yeah. And so post-release when you've sold all the copies of the game that you're going to sell at regular price, why not, like, release the story of what actually happened? Yeah, because that's, that's what I care about. Like, I want to know why this feature got cut. Like, there's some games that I can't remember off the top of my head, but when they were advertising, they had these features that are just gone from the full game, and I would love to know why. Like, what didn't work to make you take that feature out? No Man's Sky? No Man's Sky was just a game that got too big. That that's what it, that's they all got that was. Overhyped. They got hit by the they did they pulled a Molyneux on themselves. They just pulled a Peter Molyneux. The lead director could shut up about right. he wanted he kept talking about his vision for the game and not what the game was. Yeah, so have it's not like like Peter really Molyneux got cut. Oh yeah, yeah, there have been huge like there's actual multiplayer in No Man's Sky now. Oh shit. yeah, it's like they're adding that stuff now, and it's one of those like if he didn't. I call it a Peter Molyneux. For those who don't know, Peter Molyneux made Fable. That's one of the big franchises he's big. But the thing about it is, every time he's about to release the game, he will talk, he'll go on press tours, and he'll talk, but he'll talk about his vision for the game and not what the game is. So every time the game's released, it's nothing like he talked about. Because he's just talking about stuff that isn't concrete. And the same thing happened with No Man's Sky. Talking about all the stuff that he wanted in the game... Most of that stuff didn't even make it to the game. Still hasn't made it to the game, some of it. Alright, well, No Man's Sky is a game that's constantly evolving. Segway. Speaking of games that are pretty much stagnant. Well, I don't want to say stagnant, because that sounds um, derogatory towards the game. Speaking of games that are actually complete, and fully featured, and single player, and not shared world, and no loot boxes, and all of these things... Are there any of those things in Evil Within? No. Oh, it looks. Oh, like so it's just a really good. So it's just a good game. Oh, dude, Evil Within. If you were on the fence and you played Evil Within one, forget everything you forgot except Sebastian. He's still he's back, and so is Kidman, and she's still. Is Mobius back? Oh yeah, Mobius is the reason why you're in this thing again. I it's mean, real, Mobius okay. is the fault of everything. You actually get a story in this one, and you don't have to like try to kind of make it up in your head, like. Okay, so for those who don't know, one of the problems with the story of the Evil Within, two, Evil Within 1, the first one, is that since the game had a lot of reality warping, you will walk through a door and your character will act like he knows who the main villain is, and then the very next cutscene will be running around going, Who's doing this? Why? It's like, wait, didn't you just know who he was five minutes ago? I mean, you get shifted from being in a psych ward, and then you're in the middle of a field, and then you're, the whole city around you is crashing, and I mean, I get why he's going through trauma, but the story in itself and Evil Within 1 really just kind of made no sense, and you had no idea why you were there in the first place, unless you played the DLC, and I didn't really do that because I didn't want to spend money on it. It'd be like that. Yeah. Um, but Evil Within 2... Just, like, light years better. Bethesda got it right. And it, like, so well that I would even put it up to where, like, it competes with Resident Evil 7 and might even be better of a horror game. And I haven't even, like, I'm not even halfway through it yet. It's, like, always on your toes. You are either, like, having to hide from something that you can't kill or you're, like, being bum-rushed by a whole bunch of zombies. So it's, like... Is ammo scarce? Yes. I mean, it's survival. Does it have... It's actually survival like, horror. They're, well, like... They'll prepare you for certain things that are going to happen. Yeah. But, okay, so I'm getting way too ahead of myself. This game is open world. You are actually going in there because you've lost your daughter, and Kidman says, hey, we have your daughter. Mobius has had it for the whole time. 
Because we're because we're not umbrella. Because we're not yeah. Because <laughs> we're not umbrella. And when you find out, okay, why you kind of find out, okay, from the first game they try to create this world based on a psychopath's brains. Obviously, didn't work. I wonder why. So they took his child because she's an innocent mind. Are you then, sure? Because <laughs> based off of what I've seen. Oh. You, there, once you get into the game, you'll understand how there's this, like, random person who is the new antagonist. Okay. Who, how he got into the game is because the, the co-workers, like, of Mobius were just, like, they fucked up and let a psychopath into the, the whole Matrix, I would like to say. They're, they're trying to make the Matrix. This nice, peaceful college town into the Matrix, and it messes up. So they send... Sebastian in again and it's a complete open world with side quests you find all the technicians that they put in the game because they didn't actually send in soldiers into this union what they call it they oh. only sent they, they sent the programmers in. so we got an Isaac Clark situation right here for all you right. dead space fans right so you you get a bunch of side missions like even if you go into the random houses throughout the town each house kind of like there's certain houses that had their own story like I went to a house found a journal picked it up and eventually I was I was then being attacked by a poltergeist that led me into a, like a little random like I have to sneak away from this girl because I can't actually shoot her. She's a ghost. So it has like random side stories that let you know how this whole town started messing up. So you get to whole know this whole story and it's you have this. It's just amazing. It's always on your toes. You always feel I feel so stressed out playing this game half the time because I feel like something's going to kill me. And I'm right. Half the time. Hey, just, just because you think they're out to get you doesn't mean they aren't. Yeah, it's not at all like cheesy horror. They like keep keep it fresh, keep it coming. Like you never know what's gonna happen next. They did this game very, very well. It might it's like up there. It's probably game of the year contender. Oh yeah, it might be one of my favorite survival horror games. Like almost as good as Resident Evil Two. And that's classic day one. Well, I mean, we'll not whoa. it is the uh, the lead director of Resident Evil Four. Um, this was his follow. The Evil Within One was his follow up to Resident Evil Four, and then now this is like the fruition of all the ideas that he had. Yeah, this I'm. It's definitely got a Resident Evil Four feel, but if Resident Evil Four was like legitimately scary. Okay, so yeah, it seems like one of the differences is just because of the tech that we have now. Instead yeah. of shooting a character and them doing that back left stumble that they always used to do in, like even Resident Evil Five, like that's the most recent Resident Evil that I've played. But like you could predict their movement in that. But apparently, good for you for skipping six. Yeah, I oh I knew <laughs> I played the demo and I was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna pass. Yeah, but um. Yeah, so Resident Evil 5 was the last Resident Evil that I played, and just apparently the, just the tech that's pushing this game along, it shows in a lot of the... Things aren't as predictable. Right. Where in Resident Evil, if you shot some guy in the shoulder, you know exactly how he'd stumble, so you could maybe give it, get in a headshot. But whereas this... Or duck you, under and just leave. I don't, and do things, are there any things that persistently follow you through the open world? Through the, I mean, you have zombies who are all, like, randomly out, and then, like, if you're, the, the further I've progressed, like, after getting out of this maze with, where I, like, dodged the poltergeist and, like, dipped, if you go trying to get, like, trying to get this piece for the sniper rifle, because you, when you find a sniper rifle, it's broken, so trying to find this piece going down that road will spawn her back in and you have to like run away from the house just to like, make her go away otherwise she one hit kills you so it's like there's bosses that will randomly pop up just to like mess with you just throughout this open world town so yeah yeah, it keeps. I'm glad to hear yeah, the horror genre is doing well. And I, like, well, I mean, video games are doing well right. in 2017. Well, finding out video that this thing was like, like this was an open kind of open world little town, I was like, oh, this is not going to be that scary. Like, but seeing what this is capable of, and knowing like we have what two more, one more zombie game that's supposed to be PlayStation exclusive that's supposed to come out. Well, no, what? at least two. 
Oh yeah, two. You got Days to, Gone and Days The Last Gone. of Us Part Two. Right. That. Well, Last of Us, of course, that's gonna be a good game. That's no question. But Days Gone, that's like that gives this game gives me hope for that because this is like still legitimately to its core a survival horror game. Even though you have a bigger, you're not just confined to this small, like it's not room. linear. Yeah, you so many different things you can do. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, sounds like we had another great episode. Uh, remember, if you're listening right now, you should rate and review us on whatever podcast service you listen to us on, and subscribe on other podcast services, like maybe you have a SoundCloud account and you listen to us on iTunes, uh, make sure to subscribe over on SoundCloud or Google Play, or whatever other platforms that you are able to follow us on, just, um, help boost our numbers the other thing you can do is if you know anybody else who's interested in video games and have um hearing in-depth conversations on video games you can share this podcast with them uh have them give it a shot we've actually been growing a lot more lately i've been looking at our statistics on soundcloud and we've actually been growing more and more every episode so that's been good um we still don't have any reviews or ratings on itunes as far as i can tell so, if somebody gives us a legitimate review on iTunes or leaves comments on our episodes on SoundCloud, we can actually read those on that episode. Um, you can tweet us questions or comments at Cheesy Controller without the last E. So, C H E E S Y C O N T R O L L R. You can follow me <laughs> at Anton6 with three X's. Jalen at Squid Bishop, same as always. And Chris at Cheesy Ravioli, three eyes. Um, this has been a No It's Good production, and until next time, keep it cheesy.